Hello and welcome to another episode of On The Topic. This week I'm insanely monologuing. I'm Alex. And I'm planning on dropping a rock on planet Earth. I'm Dan. You're always doing that. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's another week. And this week, well, um, we've been teasing this for a little while. We've finally got around to reviewing our least favourite and our most favourite MCU villains. So um, we talk about the bad guys this week, because usually we talk about the good guys, don't we, Dan? And yeah. we talk about the films and the good bits and the bad bits. But we thought, actually... The baddies are just as well as a talking point as the goodies. So we're going to dedicate this whole episode to all those nefarious bastards out there that want to ruin the day. And actually, there are some really quite interesting ones. And of course, there are some quite rubbish ones. And we'll talk about what our favourites are and what our not-so-favourites are in just a little bit. Before we get to that, Dan, what have you been up to? Tell us, what, what, what have you done since we've last spoken? What have I been up to? Well, hmm. uh, I went to Northern Ireland. Uh, for a long weekend, stay with some friends. Uh, why my other half decided to run a marathon across the Giants Causeway. Lovely. Very hilly. Lovely coastline, though. Uh, and in that time, Alex, this is, uh, we were talking about this off air. Learned something gross, but it was equally quite fascinating. Hmm. So my sick, fr- sick bags at the ready. Yeah. So uh, my friend has got some sheep. Um, bit of a long story, but he ended up adopting one and more come along basically anyway one of the local farmers who lets him borrow the field says yes one of your lambs got maggots so this is quite gross so you know bear with me what happens is as maggots get into the flesh this is i'd say it's quite gross uh, you might want to fast forward a few few seconds, or not uh, not eat that mouthful of your dinner or your lunch if you're listening. Mm. But um, yes, so maggots scroll their way in to the flesh, uh, and basically what happens is the maggots will eat the lamb out inside out. It's it's, it's disgusting. This probably quite a nasty way to die, mm. but I mean they would probably die of infection. So after all the fun and games of trying to get the sheep into his front garden. We managed to get it in and you have to get the sheep down, you know, hold it down, pin it. And you have to really cut the wall back until you find the maggot infestation. So, so you, do you, I'm by didn't ask on. Do you shave the whole sheep or do you kind of see where it's, it's been irritated? Like what, what, what gives away the location of these little bastards? Apparently it is the color of the skin. So it can go a little bit darker. Oh, right. Okay. So my yeah. friend's got like these, he didn't shave it actually this time. He had like a weird sort of pair of scissors. So mm. he cuts it all down to the skin until you sort of find your, your source of maggots. And then you have to sort of cut back that as much as you can, um, clear out what you can. And then you get Jay's fluid and iodine mixed together, pour it on, happy days. And that kills the maggots and hopefully the uh, infection as well. And it was success. Um, so that was fun. And in recent weeks, I caught up with my old bandmates, Catch Me A Comet. Oh, lovely. So we had a little video chat, which was supposed to be for an hour, turned into two, um, did a lot of catching up, and talked about other things, like what we're doing in our lives, our jobs, mental health, and a big one. Yep. 
So that was quite quite nice, quite cathartic. But I I can uh, tell you now there is no reunion on the cards. But if anyone wants to hear about van life of Catch Me Comet, there are episodes. I think it's yes. like OTT seventeen and eighteen from last year. Yep, definitely check that out. Um, and I, essentially, those episodes brought us together as uh, friends again, which is quite nice. Thing. But that's it, really. Uh, what have you been up to, Alex? Much. Uh, not as much as you, Dan. Definitely uh, less maggots um, from where I'm coming <laughs> from. Um, I, so last time we were talking, in the last episode, we were talking about um, Cobra Kai, how you said that you got through it. wasn't as fast as perhaps the previous season, but you got it. And I had, I had, I had I was on a couple of episodes, I think, at the time. Well, like, I smashed through it, Dan. I, must say. I had a couple of baths. And, uh, I mean, I wash every day, by the way. But um, a couple of baths, just in case people cared. Um and I got one of those iPads stands, you know, on on a long spring, and you can kind of clamp it. And yeah. anyway, it's um, it really is a game changer for bars. I can hugely recommend one if you've got an iPad or a tablet. Anyway, um, and uh, I'll whisk my way through it, and then like the end, I don't spoil it, and of course we'll do a standalone episode. But the ending kind of crept up on me, Dan, and I purposely didn't go through, you know, the episode listing in Netflix so you can see, you know, how many episodes you got and the episode yeah. descriptions. I usually go on that, either because it's going slow for me and I want to see how much is left or just out of pure curiosity. This time I didn't. I just kept on going for the next episode, next episode, next episode. And then it got to episode, was it 10? And it just went bananas. Mm. And, it, and then it ended. And I thought, Oh shit! This is this is it. This is this is complete. So, um, mixed bag. Overall, though, I enjoyed it. Um, I really enjoyed it. I just wonder where it's going to go next. But we can we can talk about that. Um, I guess in the coming weeks. So, but that's Cobra Kai. Uh, Do you know actually, Dan? They're also doing. Um, I saw it today. This has crept past me because uh, I, I think the trailer was released in August. Do you know they're doing a um, a game, a Cobra Kai game? Oh, they actually. They've, apparently, this is, this is no. the second one. They've already done one. When did this come out? I, don't... I know, right? Years ago. I've done one before. The second one's due out in just a couple of weeks. It's got to be like Mortal Kombat style, right? It's going to be like a... Well, it looks like it's a bit like um, a bit like that, you know, like a Injustice. Yeah. You know, the superhero um, fighting games where like you have a bit of storytelling role play. Um, a bit like Sleeping Dogs. You ever play Sleeping Dogs on um, last gen? No, I know no of the game though. Really good game, actually. Really underrated. GTA style, go around kicking shit out of people. Um, but uh, it's a bit like that, and then you go into like set pieces, and then you go into like it tells a story or certain stories of I guess season three, season four, and ends with the tournament, and you can play as each of the dojos. It looks it looks ropey as hell. I'm not saying it's one of those polished AAA titles, but. I'm slightly intrigued, you know, if it comes out on uh, Game Pass or anything, I might take a look at it because it actually looks just fun. These games these days take themselves too much too seriously. They undercook it, over overpromise, and it comes out and everyone's disappointed. <coughs> Avengers. Um but you know, with with um with so these bad. games, they just go under the radar and everyone goes, actually, you know what? Fine, let's have a bit of fun. I don't I don't need glossy, I don't need sixty frames per second all this stuff, you know, um, ray tracing. I think it's a good fire-up game. And I wonder if this is it. I don't know. So go and have a look, guys, girls, if you're interested. And Dan, I will show you the link if you can't find it. Mm. Um, it I'm mildly interested because I didn't know it existed. And it's the second one, apparently. So we shall see. Um, so that's Cobra Kai. And then uh, I've just been 
been working. And then as a side from that, I've also been converting to YouTube, Dan. Yes. So we've we've been, been talking about this for a while. Yeah, we've talked about this for a while. Um, and we've finally done it. So uh, as of today of recording, to give, kind of gives away when we're doing it, but as of today of recording, uh, we've gone live with the first um, YouTube video. And we're going to do two every week. This week's a bit different because we're launching, right? So we're going to start from OTT number one. So humble beginnings. So we're not going to do a back catalogue. We may do you know, a couple of um, throwbacks within YouTube, perhaps of, of the older stuff. And I'm spitballing. I haven't talked to you, Dan, about this, but we could do that, I guess. Because there's some really good episodes, right? The Mandela Effect yeah. one's in there. Um, we've got Conspiracy Theories one in there, I think, as well. Yeah. Um, so we've got some really... Oh, and there's other stuff in there, in, you know, back on the, um, the weekly roundup. So it might be that we actually do a couple of old school throwbacks. Um. But yeah, uh, this week we've gone for one and then every other week from there, because we've got so many to catch up on, we're going to do two a week and it's going to be a throwback Thursday. So uh, watch out for the socials, go onto YouTube, search for us. It'll be, uh, it'll be on there. Just one video in a minute. Smash the subscribe button and um, get that notification bell and you'll be notified when there's a delicious audio content for you to look on YouTube. So yeah, um, I'm up. I think about halfway now up on our back catalogue of OTT. So Smashing won't be it. long before they're all there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, you're screwing away doing all the artwork. So I'm doing the editing, uploading. You're doing the artwork, and between the dream team, we're getting there. So yeah, it's um, been busy, but it's been good. We need more people. Mm. We need a little background team. We need an editor. We need a sound designer. We need. We need it all. So if uh, if you're interested. Uh, send your application into ontopicpodcast at gmail.com. That's sold. Cool. I'm already yeah. sold. Well, you're already doing it. So um, we just need to get someone else to do it. But yes, indeed. Indeed. So that's me. Um, right. Let's roll up our sleeves. Let's, um, let's start swindling some people out some money and going for New World Order. And let's dive into our favourite and not-so-favourite MCU villains, Dan. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the worst or do you want to start with the best? Let's start off with the worst because actually um, uh, the, the best villains is a bit of a misnomer. But I think we end on a high, so to speak. Yeah. Should I kick us off this one this week? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it indeed. So um, what I'm going to do, Dan, is I'm going to talk through one by one. We'll take it in terms as usual. And I'm going to go through and then through from my worst ones, then the filler, by, by um, you know, honorary mentions, not going to detail, just for who is in between my worst and my best. And obviously then we can take it in turns the best. Yeah. So I'm going to start on my worst. Uh, and this is a little bit of an order, but they do, depending on what mood you get me in, I will chop and change. I'll reserve the right to in the future. They like the films, right? 100%. It's like well, if it goes, what's your yeah. favourite MCU film? What's your favourite top 10? I know it'll always sort of, very yeah. you'll it probably have the same films in it but it'll always change yeah, yeah. 100% so um, I'm going to go all the way back to Iron Man 3's Aldrich Killian Dan yeah he's on my list yeah so if you're not familiar guys I mean you're not missing much in Iron Man 3 it is literally a standalone film that doesn't tie into really anything apart from some of the post-traumatic post-traumatic stress that Tony goes through post um Avengers 1. But that's it. So if you haven't seen it, there's really good set pieces. I think the 
uh, one of the, the 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 set pieces where they all jump out of the plane and the Iron Man armor rescues them actually won awards for it because it's one continuous actual shot and actually mm. people did did it, which is is just a phenomenal set of scenes. But otherwise, that's it. So not really missing much. But if you haven't seen it, so Dr. Aldrich Killian is the guy that I dislike some of the most of the time, uh, was the founder and CEO of Advanced Idea Mechanics, which we know as AIM, AIM. Uh, AIM takes on a more kind of Hydra-esque type of feel in the comics. They haven't quite been developed that way in the MCU yet, and they're just a, like a think tank at this stage. So when Tony Stark can refuse to join his research, Killian participates in Maya Hansen's development of extremists, a massive group of extremists, enhanced soldiers under his command. So these people take these concoctions, they inject them, and they become super soldiers, super strong, can breathe fire their dragons, which is quite odd. Um, but anyway, they, uh, they're super soldiers. Now, to mask his illegal activities as terrorist attacks, he adopts the legend of the Ten Rings and an idealized terrorist persona, known as the Mandarin, which, of course, is portrayed by Trevor Slattery, who we obviously see later on uh, in a couple of other films and, 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 and sideshows. Worst Mandarin ever. Correct. Unaware, of course, that the person he impersonated actually existed, that we see in the Ten Rings, I guess, later on, don't we, Shang-Chi? Um, now, Killian has also conspired with Vice President Rodriguez in an attempt to take on economic and political control of the US for his own uses. However, after his kidnapped by both Pepper Potts and President Matthew Ellis, Killian was then confronted by Iron Man, Iron Patriot, and the Iron Legion, who sorted his plans before Potts kills him with the Mark IX armor. Now, Dan, that all sounds a bit bonkers, actually, if you say it out loud, and it is, because actually half of that I didn't even remember because half of it doesn't actually make sense and half of it I don't really care. Yeah. You know, like he he tries to take take control of America. Does he? Um and then would he really? And like, I don't get. Anyway, the point I'm making is, he's just another bad guy businessman. And I know that's the spin yeah. of Iron Man. I know that you've got Obadiah Stane from the first one, and I know you've got, um, to some extent, um, Hammer, Justin Hammer, who was on my list. Of course, he's going to talk about all villains here, but he didn't make my my shit list. Um, but he's just another bad guy businessman. Um, yeah, and he, he tells a nice tale of being a bullied, a bullied. Um, person a turned bully so the bully becomes the bully is probably a better way of describing it but he doesn't really feel like it's fair end game for him like I don't I don't get that because he's been bullied he he's now going to become a bully and that's just his, his sole reason for existing and wanting to, to to build this whole kind of I don't know tirade this whole this whole going after the US, don't get it. And he doesn't really feel like he's got skin in the game for me, Dan. And what I mean by that is at any point, if it doesn't become financially viable, he'll just walk away. Mm. But yeah, when I talk about, and this is probably giving a lot away, but you know, you can fast forward and see what I mean in a minute. Um, the other others who are really good villains actually, actually have legitimate goals and concerns and they're all in. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know no, I mean? it's a fair point. Aldrich, apart from wanting to stick two things up at Tony, who, you know, berated him and made him feel small on New Year's Eve in 2000, whatever it was, like, that's all it is. Like, it's just their money. Yeah. That's not, I mean, money, you know, is a motivation or motivator for a lot of people for good reason, of course. But is that a good reason to want to have world domination? It yeah. just feels a bit Dr. Evil, but it's taken seriously. And I just, I don't get it, Dan. No, I, I don't get the motivations. Um, 
and I don't get the execution. So for me, he's top of my shit list. Yeah, no, agreed. He did make my list as well. Um, and do you know what? When I started doing my notes on paper, it, you know, sounds quite good. You know, the moral of Iron Man 3 is basically uh, don't be a dismissive arsehole like pre-Shrapnel Tony Stark, which don't he constantly was. Don't be a dick. Mm-hmm. And the result of that nature... Bikes years later, in the arse. yeah, years, years later, later, you get your comeuppance and you get someone who actually has a bigger stick and they hit you with it. Aldrich Killian goes from this gawky guy with an idea that Tony ignored at the New York New Year's party to a man literally just creating explosive super soldiers walk around with far too much exposed ankle. And the thing is with that, right, Dan, if you had, if you, I mean, they weren't perfected, they were exploding sporadically, but if you had super soldiers. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you do what they've done in, in the comics and like have a, like a, an underground kind of um, evil organization that topples governments? Like you know, like in in the boys, right? Yeah. Let's get to the boys, right? The boys use that that concept, don't they? Where uh, apologies, guys, if you're if I'm spoiling for you for season two, but effectively in season two, there's the super terrorists because they've been made by Vault to kind of make America look good or Homeland look good. Um, why wouldn't you do that? I just think they're, they're, they're kind of like a paramilitary group, but they don't use them. Yeah. And I don't get it. That's an awful lot of power, an awful lot of money. And he just, just doesn't really do anything with them. It just, just lot like, lots of like, like lots of good ideas, but they're all kind of half baked. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just sort of finalize on my notes for Aldrich. You know, and this would be a recurring theme as well as we talk about the actors and actresses. You know, Guy Pierce is smooth, and he plays Killian as an interesting foil to Danny yeah, yeah, Jr.'s yeah. brash Tony. But the motivation just always seems a little bit off in this film. Yeah, but yeah, he's he's on my shit list. Um, do you know what? I will go on to Malekith. Oh yes, okay, yeah. Uh, Christopher Eccleston brilliant actor mm, ordinarily ordinarily he's a good actor but Malekith is just not an interesting villain in uh, mm. Thor the Dark World he spends a lot of time with it sleeping yeah he's got an old gripe with Odin's father uh, he's just vaguely evil without any real defined plan throughout the rest of the film and again you know a lot of the, the good villains which we'll talk about shortly they always seem to have a good motivation to why they're doing something and there's something always extremely evil about them. But Malekith was just, just shite. Uh, Malekith um, character is one of the most renowned among fans in the old Thor comics written by Walt Simonson. And I've talked about this before, Alex, you know, one of my favorite recent Marvel events was called Bore of the Realms mm. by Jason Aaron mm. Um, so Jason Aaron started writing Thor, started planting the seeds, and Malekith goes on to creating the war of all nine, ten realms. And it's just fucking bonkers. Like, it's the best comic book arc I've read in recent years. Mm. It's fantastic. But in this, um, the character just doesn't translate to this version of the character I'm describing from the comics uh. onto the big screen. It's just... Just poor. It's so um, bad. It's a dark elf. That's what they're called, aren't they? Dark elves? Yeah. So got pointy ears. Look a bit, you know, Harry Potter, Gremlin-esque. Um, 
but you don't really get a kind of really real meaningful backstory. And it just, I don't know. It just mm-hmm. seems like, okay, well, he's a baddie and he looks a bit evil. So he is evil. Um, and he's now, he's now still got a centuries old grudge and Thor's going to pay. Is that, is that enough? I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe we're spoiled, right? And maybe the end of this will, will come full circle and say, actually, maybe they're not bad, but we've been spoiled retrospectively with really good villains. But I don't know. Just, yeah. It's just, yeah. Another one where you just go, but really? Yeah. It's a lot of effort to go to just to kind of settle score with an offspring. I don't know. And you know, the worst villains are shite when your notes of that cat, that character are just, I mean, quite, I haven't got a lot here for him. There's, there's nothing really to him. There's nothing really to talk about. He's just no. a bit poor. He's just pants. Mm. Uh, and that's why Malekith makes my uh, shit list. Fair play. Well, another one that you can't really write too much about, Yon Rog. Yeah, he made my list as well. Uh, yeah. Played by Jude Law. Absolutely. Hands- handsome bastard. Um, one of our favourite Christmas films, The Holiday. Yeah, we said that before in Christmas movies, didn't we? You know, if he called into my bed, I won't kick him out. <laughs> um, there's no way. Um, in this, I mean, he's got the charm, but I think he's largely wasted. I mean, if people mm. don't know what we're talking about, so Yon Rog yeah, is from Captain Marvel. Uh, Brie Larson's um, first outing as a character. And uh, he's a Kree Empire commander and leader of Star Force, which is a devout loyalty to supreme intelligence and the Kree ideologies. Now, during the Kree Skull War, Yon-Rog and Minerva were dispatched to kill Marvel on planet C-53, seeking a Tesseract-powered energy core that they was, uh, that were developing. However, Yon-Rog later took under Hitushi's Vares, a United States Air Force pilot who absorbed the core's energy during its destruction. Now, years later, the prospect of Kree technology, the Star Force had called the Skrull population, including Talos, of course, who we later see, and um, we're going to see soon in Invasion, um, to C-53. So when Vares learns of a true origin of C-53, Yon Rog was authorised by Ronan the Accuser, no less, mm. who is also on the list, but not on my list, to capture her. Now, after failing to wipe out the Skrull refugees and stealing back the Tesseract, Yon Rog was defeated by Vares and sent back to Hala with a warning to the Supreme Intelligence. Therein, Dan, lies my issue. He was clearly hallmarked as a secret baddie very early on. In fact, in my opinion, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a super sleuth, and I mm. called it in the first five minutes. You don't have someone of those credentials who looks like that, and they're just like a, um, a supporting actor. No. Do you know what? I put that into my notes. Marvel gave Jude Law a substantial role, uh, and you know, only for that role to be just a bit of a boring telegraph twist villain and the thing is Dan at the end of it when you get through it all he's really just a, shol- a soldier yeah there's no powers he's no match for Carol actually he never really was so what's really his motivation apart from just believing in the supreme intelligence and, you know maybe that's enough maybe that that's kind of suggesting that so a good soldier will unquestionably follow their orders of who's commanding them and that's fine but when it comes to it, he's hugely outmatched. I mean, even um, even Thanos couldn't go toe to toe with with Carol. So just it kind of felt always as though he was never going to win, and he wasn't really a threat. He was manipulating her because of her, her amnesia or her manipulated memories. 
But really, that was it. And then, you know, Jude Law is a brilliant actor. And whilst I don't think it's a bad portrayal, I don't think he really does his acting range justice. You know, we I know he, he primarily does um, uh, rom-coms and stuff, and we both love um, dearly, and this is no sarcasm intended if it's coming through my voice. I'm just British, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> at the holiday, we do generally yeah. love the holiday, and I, I can't wait to see it again in a couple of months' time because you can't watch it unless it's Christmas. It's a fact, it's law. Christmas binge, can't wait. Indeed. It's, it's in fact not just law, it's Jude law. Um, but it just kind of felt a bit flat, a bit one dimensional in this, and that's why I think it's really kind of a bit of a misstep for me. Um, yeah. There's no real kind of. Um, plot twist we kind of all knew it was going to happen and when we all were told it was going to happen because so what like you, you, you were no match I don't know Dan just I think it was a bit big, bit let down and I, I wonder whether that's contributing to uh, and theorising here whether people don't like Brie Larson because actually the whole storyline wasn't particularly set up for success I don't know yeah, um, I mean, Brie Larson has actually questioned whether people want us to come back, but yeah. I, I'm sort of side-noting here. But no, you're right. Uh, we can, we've seen what Jude Law can do as an actor. We've seen yeah. it for decades. Do it. Uh, he can crush it. But his character is just a bit dry, isn't it? He's just... There's nothing to it. Yeah, just a bit bit boring. Um, yeah. A bit meh. I mean, someone said maybe the character returns for the Marvels, which could, would perhaps have a bit of potential to use a great actor to his full potential, but mm. I don't think it's going to happen somehow. No, and if I was him, I'd say, no, thank you, Marvel. Thanks very much for the payday, but I'm done. Because you can't recover from that. No. So, uh, sorry, Jude. Nope. Shame. You're Jon Rog, you're on the shit list. He is. Uh, well, I'm on to Drakov from Black Widow. Oh, right, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. good choice. Uh, and I think people will sort of understand why we've got the hump with Drakov if they listen to last year's review of Black Widow. Mm. Uh, I mean, Black Widow's got its moments, right, that work really well. Florence Pugh's Yelena Belova. Yeah. David Harbour is the Red Guardian. Chef's Kiss. And you've got your favourite actress, Alex. Um, Rachel Wise. Oh yeah, Rachel. Yeah, it was also um, fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Rachel Vice. Yes, so good. See, he's getting excited over there. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's no fault of Ray Winston himself. He's a another great actor. Yeah, if Drakov, in the gangster film. Yeah, but Drakov, who's the leader of this notorious Red Room, like creating assassins all over the gaff. You know, the Red Room we've heard so much of through the MCU. He's just a snooze. Yeah, there's yeah, there's no real threat here. He's just a guy with glasses and a big computer screen. It's just a bit bad. Mm. He's just a bad guy, and there's not much more to him. Uh, you know, he made Taskmaster, who was probably one of the more interesting Marvel comic villains, into a secondary weapon without any soul or any purpose. I mean, we could argue that's just poor writing of the film itself. Uh, and the movie wants to focus more on Natasha and her family, which is fine. It just meant we got this kind of meh villain. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and was he Cockney? Was he Russian? I actually don't we'll know. Never know. We'll never know. We'll never know. But Drakov in the sea, mate, you're shit. 
No one cares. No one wanted it. No one needed it. Yeah, well, to, to the point you, you said, Dan, stinking though. <clears throat> There's all these flashbacks through Ultron uh, and through the Avengers and the rest of it. You know, Natasha's been through so much um, and the brutality of her upbringing and the training. And you're like, right, so this, this guy is kind of, kind of the mastermind, really? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. It's like, oh, it's this guy. And uh, you, you kind of expect, you know, like a uh, quite a chiseled, no offence to Ray Winston, but a chiseled looking kind of moustache in the darkness kind of baddie. And we just got Ray Winston. Um, I don't know. It's just... I don't think it was the right casting. I don't want to go over our, our, our film review and I will put a link in the description below because I think it's it's one of the most damning. But yeah, just I don't think it... They, I, I wonder whether they got the roster of cast and went, who's good? Who hasn't who we haven't touched yeah. yet? Because they touched a lot of people and they've gone, Ray Winston, let's see if he can do something. And that's kind of as far as their, their thinking probably got. I don't know. Yeah, it's a good shout. So yeah, he's on the shit list. He is. Well, this one is a bit of a snooze as well. Arashem the Judge, Dan. Hmm. That doesn't ring any bells. So he and must be shit problem. if I don't remember him. That's the problem, Dan, from the Eternals. So Arashem the Judge is a prime celestial who's credited for creating the first sun and bringing light to the universe. Really? I forgot that bit. Millions of years ago, Arashim created the Deviants in order to aid in the celestial births, but when his creation went rogue, the judge created a race of Eternals using the World Forge in order to combat the Deviants who were interfering in his work. <laughs> now, one such world Arashim sent his Eternals to was Earth, of course, in order to ensure the emergence of Tiamat, who is now a frozen being sticking out of the sea that no one's addressed until She-Hulk when there's a newspaper clipping. I'm not sure you've seen this. This is the only yeah, reference yeah. of post-Eternals that event ever existed. So that's a bit weird. Anyway, Arashim communicated directly to Ajax on Earth, but after her death, he insisted or instead made contact with Cersei, informing her of uh, the Eternals' true purpose and to ensure the emergence takes place. However, of course, the group continued to become attached to Earth and worked to successfully avert the emergence, displeasing Arishem. Now, after they saved the day, Arishem pulls Cersei, Kingo, and Fastos into space in order to study their memories and judge if humanity was worth preserving. I think they've already fallen asleep with now, now Dan. <laughs> that's, that's probably some of the issues that happened this badly because it's largely unforgettable. Mm. Or largely forgettable, should I say, for two thirds of the film. You see him at the beginning, you see him at the end. Yeah. Um, do you know what? We'll tie the two together because I've actually got an Eternals villain, which mm. we'll, we'll put in there as well. I've got, I've got Crow. Uh, and everyone listening's probably gone, who? Yeah. Exactly. Much like your choice, Alex. It's forgettable. Um, you know, the Eternals is more about establishing a whole new band of characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, a family in many ways uh, than pitting them against a specific or strong villain. Uh, it's what, two, three hours long? I mean, I enjoyed it yeah, yeah. as an unpopular opinion, but the, the, you know, the villains are actually quite forgettable. Mm-hmm. Crow, the strongest of their moral foes, the deviants, kind of fits into that role by default. You know, oh, right, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, played by Bill Skarsgård. Mm. Another tremendous actor from a tremendous family of actors. 
As Crow, the lead and evolving deviant in Eternals, he does a fine job. Uh, there's just not a whole lot to the character. No. Uh, he's violent and a monster. And uh, that's about it. That's that's all you're getting. Uh, there are some other characters from the Eternals that we could possibly mention. Uh, but outside of Crow, uh, many seem to ride it in that morally ambiguous grey area. Hmm. And the thing that I found with Arishim, right, is you don't really get a sense of personal interest. Like, you can't really be mad at a computer because really what is they really doing what it was programmed to do. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Arishim has his grand plan. Why would he give a shit about Earth? It's so small, and it's not really something that you really care about. And he's he's just kind of let 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 his his children his his beings do his work. It just doesn't. It almost feels a bit too kind of too too small for him. I just wonder why should we really care? Like I know he's got the power to to snuff out Earth and the rest of it, but. There's, there's, there's no personal interest. He'll just go and make another planet. Like, it, yeah. just, it just feels like, okay, so what? Like, okay, this guy who's, who's going around making robots and cultivating planets, but really? Like, that's the baddie? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just the Eternals all over, isn't it, really? Oh, yes. A bit confusing. Yeah. Um, I've got one honourable mention. Oh yeah. Have you got any more? Yes, I've got one more. One more. Oh, I'll let you kick this one off and I'll do my yeah. honourable mention. Okay. Um you could mix these together. Goliath and Ghost from Ant Man and the Wasp. I've talked about this many a time. Mm, yeah. I don't want to repeat myself too much down because I've talked about it, you know, every couple of months on this channel. Um Goliath, because he was such an important character in the original Avengers and the in the Ultimate Avengers. They just, it just really wasn't, it was a half-baked concept and they could have done so more, much more flashbacks. We talk about this in our review of Ant-Man and the Wasp, um, you know, like they did with actually the Wasp in Ant-Man 1 and 2. They could have done so much more with Goliath, but they didn't and that's, that was odd. It, it felt like an own goal. Ghost, though, is really what I take exception to. So Ava Star is the character, is the daughter of Elias and Catherine Starr, who gained the ability to render herself intangible and generate extreme amounts of power following a quantum accident, which unfortunately killed her parents. Now, at a young age, S.H.I.E.L.D. became uh, aware of this and took advantage of her powers, enlisting her as a stealth operative under the moniker of Ghost prior to Hydra. Now, under Bill Foster's care, who ended up being Goliath, she realized she was slowly dying due to her lack of quantum energy, which she was involuntarily harnessing. Now, within weeks of succumbing to a disease without a cure, she learned that an updated version of the quantum tunnel, a gateway to the quantum realm, was being made by Hank Pym and completed and embedded in this portable lab, which, of course, is the core of the film, Dan. Now, her plans to harness quantum energy from the quantum realm conflicted with Pym's plans to rescue his uh, estranged, lost MIA wife, Janet Van Dyne, who survived in the quantum realm, of course, relied directly on the energy which Star sought to extract. And she began making attempts to steal the lab by force, and of course, then conflicted with Ant Man and the Wasp, the titular heroes of the film, the, the film, the movie. Now, at the verge of dying, Janet transfers some of her energy to Star, temporarily stabilizing her abilities, and with this, she begins to make a recovery and went into hiding with Foster. Now, um, I've got some issues with this baddie, Dan, because she's woefully underutilised the character. 
if you've got the ability to be intangible, apart from having some really interesting uh, and exciting chase scenes, yeah, they, they probably could have done um, what Taskmaster probably should have been in, in, in this film. Actually, where Taskmaster, no, I can't even say, say his name now, Taskmaster should have actually been better Widow. Like, Taskmaster was underpowered, wasn't really a threat. They had some mm. kind of trappings of interest and danger on the bridge uh, at the beginning. Was it in Norway, I think? Um, yeah, that's probably the best fight scene of the, the lot, really, isn't, yeah. isn't it, with Taskmaster? But that's it. That's it. Whereas actually that would have been the perfect level for Ghost because we're talking street level heroes here with with um, with Ant-Man. But with Ghost, um, yeah, they, they could have done so much more in terms of giving, again, flashbacks or insight into her career with S.H.I.E.L.D. You know, she could have saved lives. She could have done corporate espionage. She could have been stealing interesting things. I mean, tapping to Scott's knowledge of heists and security vulnerabilities, it could have actually been a really interesting film. But they kind of went, well, she can kind of go go intangible and that's a bit scary. Hmm. And that was it. And I, I just felt that they could have done a lot, lot more with, with, um, with, the, with the character. But in the end, actually, she isn't the main protagonist of the film anyway. I don't really know what it is. Um, I mean, you got Sonny Birch, uh, but again, people were going, "Who's Sonny Birch? He's just a bad guy. He's just a criminal." Yeah, and I, uh, yeah, it's just I don't know. There's lots. There's lots of I struggle with with that film because I I absolutely love I love so much the original Ant Man. I saw it again the other the other week. I think we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago on the episode. Yeah, so good. I love it. It's so good. But the second one just falls so much short of of the lofty heights of the first outing. Um, and I don't think Ghost helps. Because Iron yes. Man, it's Ultimate Iron Man, uh, done by Alison Kurth. Um, it's wonderfully penciled. I must, I, I must lend, lend to you, Dan, because I keep on talking about it, but I don't think you've, you've read it. Um, Ghost in there is actually, uh, goes toe-to-toe with the Ultimate Iron Man armor. And that's no mean feat, given the Ultimate Iron Man armor is basically war machine on steroids. Um, it looks badass, and it's, it's, it's armored to the teeth. And Ghost can go toe to toe with the armor, and she steals Tony's tech right from underneath him and survives. But in this version of the MCU, which I'm not saying has to be the same, but it's nowhere close to the danger or the the, the trickiness. You know, mm. in the comics, um, Ghost is almost like a a black cat, so Spider Man, yeah, you know, like a a sexy. A bit tricky, troublesome, thorn in the the the, the hero side. It is, yeah. Okay, she's she's got a real world kind of issue where she's unwell and she she wants to get to the quantum quantum realm and use the portal and the generator. And I get the need and how that conflicts with what um what Pim's doing. But ultimately, you're like, uh, okay, fine. I don't know, bit meh. Bit flat for me. Yeah. Um I think we did a review on Ant Man and the Wasp Fire Call way yes, back did. when. Yeah. Yeah. Christ, when would that have been? Twenty eighteen? Mm, been a while ago, been on um the weekly roundup, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a long time ago. Mm. But yeah, no, agreed. Um good shout. Uh my honourable mention yes. goes to Ms. Marvel's Najma. Portrayed by Nimra Butcher. 
Um, early motivations that simply stem from her wanting to return home to their dimension. Oh, right. Yeah. Sorry. Again, I was like, who? Yeah, yes. no, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The uh, Some of the worst are probably the, the least, the, the most forgotten. Mm. So you've got her and the other clandestines. They want to return to their own dimension. And they've reached the point where they're going to do anything to do it, to, to, to do the job. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of E-Blacks, Najma has quite a few. So she murders Kamala's great-grandmother, abandoned her son, Kamran, in a prison, and was still willing to create a gateway to her home dimension with the full knowledge that it would destroy Earth. She's a bad mum. Oh, she's a bad egg. Yeah. I wouldn't want her as my mum. Uh-huh. Uh, these are all terrible acts, sure, but Najma's screen presence is just somewhat lacking mm. and unmemorable. Again, as we mentioned. And her last-minute redemption doesn't feel earned. It doesn't feel satisfying. Giving her, given her actions, curse Cameron with powers and cause even more havoc after her death. It's just, it's just pants. Yeah. Her whole motivation to be bad is to go home. There's nothing like, oh, I'm going to take over the world, the universe. Oh, I'm just, I just want to go home. And there's and just I'm no gonna... care about it, though, is there? There's just absolutely no care or attention. Just, yeah, it's just, I don't know, one-dimensional again. I think that's that's probably what it is. That is a good way of describing it, one-dimensional. Mm. So that is my honourable honorable mention. See, I've got to put my teeth in now. Oh, so yeah, I've been on the red wine. Um, so between the the... the really bad baddies, the, 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 the terrible villains. Um, what you could have had, Dan, is you could have had Aisha from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Ah, oh, the gold lady. You could have had Ego, Kurt Russell. You could have had Malekith, which, of course, you talked about. You could have had the Dweller in the Darkness, Shang-Chi. Oh, yeah. You could have had Dormammu, Doctor Strange. Ivan Vanko, Iron Man 2. Ronan the Accuser, we kind of talked about around the, around the terms from Guardians of the Galaxy, which isn't very good at dancing, it transpires. Mm. Um, Thunderbolt Ross, or Thunderbolt Ross, should I say. Um, rest in peace, The Incredible Hulk. Uh, Wenwu from Chang, Shang-Chi again. You mentioned Dracoff, yep. Taskmaster, Trevor, the Mandarin, which was a disappointment. Oh. You could have had Ulysses Claw down from Avengers... Age of Ultron or yeah. Black Panther. Andy Serkis is really good in that role. I'm just going to throw that out. I think yeah, Ulysses yeah, Claw yeah. was just short-lived, which is a shame because yeah, I loved he, Andy Serkis. Yeah. And he could have been like, you know, um, more of an underground kind of uh, emerging street-level baddie. I don't know. Uh, Kaecilius, which I saw Doctor Strange again recently, uh, you know, for the billionth time. And yeah, very odd as a baddie. Very, very odd. Mm. Um, the Abomination. You could have had the Grandmaster from Thor Ragnarok. Hella from Thor Ragnarok, which I didn't quite get. Oh, she made an honourable mention. Okay. Interesting. Uh, but without degree and everything down, you um, you got Helmet Zemo from Civil War. Uh, Mysterio. Well, have you got Helmet Zemo as well? I've got Zemo on my uh, Interesting. top list. And well, you I'll could have you could have had Zemo. You could have had uh, Mysterio from Far From Home. Justin Hammer. I talked about that in Iron Man 2. Yellow Jacket. This is going in particular order, by the way. So I looked at all of these, and I did actually reshuffle the deck from worst to not so bad. So actually, as we get progressing through this, in my opinion, they're not that bad. 
Uh, yellow jacket and man, but again, just not a baddie um, bit in there. Playboy therapist. Uh Alexander Pierce, uh, Winter Soldier. Yeah. Oprah Stain from Iron Man. Red Skull, uh, the first Avenger. Uh, Ultron. Maximoff. Um, Green Goblin, of course, comes across the multiverse, but to no way home. Um, and as we get very close to then my goodies, but just on the fringes is going to be um, Gore, the God, God Butcher from Thor, Love and Thunder. Oh, I think our goodies things. list is going to be very different. Yeah. And then uh, Winter Soldier. And that then is on the very fringes of then my top five all-time best. So with that then, Dan, I'm going to take the gloves off Go for the roundhouse, knock you out of the park with Loki. Yeah, he's on my list. It had of to be done, right? Of course. Uh, originally in Thor, but obviously then really making his debut properly in the Avengers. Now, he's only he's the only MC villain who's actually been, in. I think in most people's opinions, actually fully developed. Because we actually see him go through so many different manifestations of the character. You know, he's the underdog in the supervillain competition. He's the unappreciated half-brother. He's the misunderstood but oddly relatable sibling, the secret family man, and the individual who's looking to redefine himself in the new world. We actually see him go through this in six, is it six, five, six different iterations? Um, and, you know, he has got a sad tale of familial angst. Um, and he's almost, you know, as sympathetic. Now, with Tom Hiddleston he gives Loki like a slippery smirky charisma that of course is very yeah. difficult to resist as we know you love him and so do I um, and of course he has some fantastic faux Shakespearean monologues and I just think he's 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 enjoyable as a baddie and he explains it so so, so well he's unlike me to, today apparently he, he's very well articulated so never once do you question Loki's motivations or you're not quite sure where he's coming from you know that he may be um, tricking the, mm. the, the the heroes but you, you always know where you stand with him and of course Hiddleston is the perfect casting right agreed definitely agree with that um, I've actually put in my notes uh, you could argue that Loki veers closer to anti-hero and away yeah. from villain his latter appearances, you know, particularly in Thor Ragnarok, Infinity mm-hmm. War and the Loki series, although he does that um, redemption very quickly because, yes. again, we're getting a past Loki who sort of sees it all for the very first time and goes, oh, shit. Uh, yeah, no, I, I can understand why I'm a good person now. Yeah. Uh, this is a villain who's actually sort of wonderful joyful and Paul Bettany described it as delicious in his scheming and that even in all his villainy that he is really so evil in the early days yes you know you can't help look say you said it yourself you can't you cannot help but love him this is the man that killed Coulson and he almost killed a random guy who stood up to him in uh, where was it Germany Yes, yeah, who um, who refused to kneel. And this is, and I wonder whether you look at him with pity, Dan, because you know where he's come from. You know that he's he's been outed by his family and he was the rightful heir or he wasn't, et cetera, et cetera. But 
he starts off with in the Avengers as the downtrodden kind of henchman, doesn't he? Because he's, he's he's not he while he's been betrothed. That's not the wrong word to use. But once he's been told that he's going to inherit the Earth after the bidding of Thanos, but he's he's not actually pulling any of the strings. He's just a henchman. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like you you look at him and go, yeah, you're not really in this. You're not you're not in control of this. You're not the architect of this 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 big invasion of Earth in New York. And you kind of pity him to some extent, don't you? Because he, he's always wanted to be the guy on the horseback leading the armies. And all he's really got now is a bunch of aliens uh, and New York. Yeah. It's a far cry for what he should really be doing, but his his brother's doing it with an axe or with a with a hammer uh, across the nine realms. You also can't help as well, uh, you know. You're on board and you're laughing with him when he's ripping out one-liners, mm. or when he's standing up and cheering when the Hulk smashes Thor's bits in Ragnarok, and. Again, that's down to Tom Hiddleston as an actor. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you have to commend him for his excellence and consistency in playing the character for so many years. Yeah. Uh, And you know what? Back in 2012, I didn't ask for it. I didn't ask for a Loki series, but we got it. And it's bloody good. Yeah, it's phenomenal. I'll tell you what, one of my uh, favourite moments uh, with Loki was in Ragnarok. Uh, where they've got him chained up to the chair and Bruce walks in. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Bruce says to him, so what are you up to these days? He's like, oh, it varies from time to time. And, you know, maybe this is just Mark Ruffalo just, you know, doing his thing as an actor. But it's the face. It's just funny. But he looks terrified. I think that scene was ad-libbed, actually. I think they um, they didn't actually... um script that I think it was all done on on the fly and it, it worked so well didn't it but yeah it all all of all of the tones are hit by Hiddleston there's no there's nothing that falls flat even you know in the dark world Jesus that film um in the dying moments where he he fakes his own death you're like that's it's still good he still puts in a really solid performance in spite of poor writing in spite of mediocre lackluster villains uh, and he's the, the 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 shining star of it all alongside Hemsworth he's he's phenomenal mm. I'm uh, just umming with peps in my mouth lovely no red wine here tonight but do you know what uh, you you mentioned the whole list and uh, in between mm. and a lot of them actually appear on my list as uh some of my favourite villains. All right, go on. I'll kick it off with... Let's go with the actor. Gore the God Butcher. Yeah. Uh, I good. mean, I'll try not to sort of go into it too much because we did the um, Love and Thunder review and we talk a lot about Gareth, Gareth Bale. Jesus, he's talking about football now. Mm. Christian Bale. Uh, and, you know, when Bale's on screen as Gore, you know, with his skin powder white... He's scarred all over the place. You know, his eyes sometimes just lighting all sorts of different colours, glowing in the dark. Everything just seems to stop. And he just delivers lines Mm -hmm. like the words are bleeding from his mouth and like 
most of the best villains on this list. His motivations aren't yes. half bad. No, no. I mean, sure, he goes around, he goes about it the wrong way. Uh, don't get, don't get me wrong, but not the worst reasoning we've ever heard. You know, he's been let down by the gods. You know, his daughter's died, and when um, you know he gets thrown about, I can't remember the god's name now picks him up, and the old necro sword calls him, and he just shoves the sword up through his head. It's quite disturbing. Yeah, it's raw. And as you say, Dan, you know, he's got he's got skill in the game, he's got motivation. He's not he's not picking off randos, right? He's not going down to earth and, and abducting people or killing them. He's going off specifically for gods. Mm. You know, there is there is motivation, there is uh rules to, to his 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 nefarious ways and Again, someone that I think you end up pitying, don't you? Pity in the first two minutes yeah. of the film, for crying out loud. But I never looked at him and looked at him and went, "Yeah, he's evil." We just look at him and go, "He's just misunderstood, and he's probably yeah. chosen the wrong way of doing it." And I think that's I did struggle. He's very good, and that's why he's not too far off, just on the fringes um, of my list. But that's why because I, you can't you can't challenge the logic for why he's doing it, right? No. And I mean, let's be real. It's Christian Bale. It is. He was never not going to be good in, in a role like this. Okay. And do you know what? Some of the best actors do bad really well. Mm. Um, it's all going off topic, but staying on topic, you've got Chris Evans as Captain America, who was quite righteous. Um, you know, good guy. You know, you've got him in films like The Grey Man or Knives Out. Oh, nice. He out. plays yeah. the arsehole so bloody well. Yeah, absolute blinder. So, yeah, go the God Butcher. He made my list of uh, some of the good villains in the MCU. Perfect. Well, um, I'm going to go back to Spider Man Homecoming then. Oi, oi. The Vulture. Yeah, good shout. Bit of Michael Keaton. Can't go wrong. <laughs> Now, um, just to jog people's memories, Vulture is basically a normal dude grappling the fact that he lives in a superpowered world. But unlike our heroes, Adrian Toomes isn't inspired by example to become one of the good guys. He channels the rage into a successful black market enterprise, selling alien weaponry post Avengers, which is genius. But what's fascinating about Adrian is that there's actually much more to him than supervillainy, because actually he doesn't just play the role in that way, like Obadiah Stane was they pretend to be Tony's friends so he could stab him in the back later. No, actually, Adrian really is a family man. And also, he really is an illegal arms dealer. I think he's fantastic because it's another amazing uh, casting. Yeah. So good. Um, <clears throat> for me, what really stole, stole it was that car scene. Yeah. I talked about it before, but when Peter and Adrian are outside the homecoming dance, Jesus... The, the hairs, yeah, the hairs on my arms, the back of my neck were up, you know, because you could see the penny drop as Adrian's driving these two to the dance. And then when he, when uh, the girl gets, gets out and goes inside and he gives him the talk, he's got the gun. He's like, I know who you are. You need to stop because I'm going to come after you. And you could hear the pin drop in the cinema mm. and it's just, 
the, the tone goes quite uplifting, a bit bit edgy, and then it goes. And the game is afoot. And you know it's dialed up. And that's that's partly directing, that's partly good writing, but also it's fantastic um delivery as well. And he really is, again, we talk about the motivations. He really is a down and out family man who's actually sticking it to the man. You know, after damage control took actually what was rightfully his, he he laid claim to all the stuff and the rubbish that's left behind in cleaning up New York. Damage control comes in and says, no, we're government, see you later. And he loses his livelihood and he has mm-hmm. to try and build that up. And you're like, actually, fair play. Because you're only ever going to do it anyway. Now you've got your hands there because damage control didn't do a very good job. So actually you're only doing what they should have done. Um, you can't fault him. Now perhaps, yes, you shouldn't be selling it to some dodgy people on, on street corners. But at the end of the day, you can kind of understand where he's coming from. And at the end of the day, he's still a family man. He's not someone who's going out to, you know... Um, Again, murder innocent people. He's just making ends meet the way that he should have done in a legal fashion. Um, I wasn't allowed to because of damage control. So, mm. yeah, I, I kind of I'm bought into you know the underdog, I'm bought into the character, and I'm bought into what is a fantastic baddie anyway. I think he was pitch perfect, totally great vision of MCU's. Vulture, um, and I'm all for it. So yeah, Spider-Man: Homecoming's main villain for me, Dan. One of the interesting things I found about that film as well is when he goes to prison, he doesn't ever give up Spider-Man's identity. No. Uh, but you know, who know what he's? Who knows what's going to happen in the Sony verse? You know, where he's suddenly been pulled in through the multiverse, and oh, let's go after that Spider-Man guy. It's like, uh... yeah, why? And why are you, why are you talking to Morbius? Of all people, like how do you know who he is? Yeah, come on, it's a, it's an odd one. That, that that is a that is a bum note. But if you take that aside, that's Sony. That's Amy Pascal. What she does, she isn't talked to Feige about it. So be it on her head. But yeah. MCU, I'm all for it. Getting to see Sony, getting to see Amy. See you later. See you later. Uh, next one for me is Helmet Zemo. Um, I do genuinely think he's quite a remarkable character. You know, he's not a robot. No, he's not an alien. Well, we don't know that yet. He could be a scroll. That is true. Mm. That is very true. Uh, you know what? He's not even a super soldier. He's just a normal guy, like me yeah. and you, like our well, listener. He's a nobility, isn't he? He's a member of the nobility. Mm. But yes, he's just a, a, a non non powered individual. He's motivated, and he's a master planner. Yes. You know, Zemo uh, has, other than maybe arguably Thanos, and now I've tried to challenge myself to not mention Thanos, and I have no doubt we'll talk about him shortly. He has the best plan of any villain in any MCU film, and that's Mm -hmm. probably why he succeeds. You know, his greatest ability really is self-awareness. He knows himself that he can't take the Avengers down on his own but that they can hurt one another. Yes. You know, he's cunning, he's scheming and unscrupulous. And Daniel Brawl, and I'm so glad they brought him back for Falcon and the Winter Soldier because I just think he's a phenomenal yeah. actor. Yeah, it's good. He plays 
these perfect Machiavellian orchestrations perfectly. You know, he turns Tony and Steve against each other. They scrap it out. And then by the end of that film, the Avengers are no more. Until maybe, well, not even Infinity War. You could argue Endgame. Yeah, you're right. He does actually what anyone else couldn't do. Um, I agree with um, Falcon and Winter Soldier. You know, that really gave him depth. And actually, by the end of it, I certainly liked him. I think you did too. I was you know? quite. I was re- actually ruined for him at one point. Yeah. There's it's... a brilliant moment. I mean, he maybe not quite the same character. You know, he's had a bit of time to, you know, I, I did sort of, sort of second guess maybe what his motivations were in this film. But actually, mm. he does play the the good guy or maybe anti-hero quite well. Yeah. Um, and I'm surprised you know, whether he will appear or not. He's going to be in Thunderbolts. Yeah. Very strange decision. I thought he'd probably fit in there quite well with, you know, Bucky Barnes. and He tends to be the leader in the comics, so it's very strange. But then the MCU tend to make reference. Perhaps he's, I don't know, perhaps he's going to be the baddie. He is on the raft. Yeah. Perhaps they they turn turn tables, I don't know. But yeah, he's, he's, he's a great portrayal of the character. There's no doubt about that. So yeah, that's why I chose Zemo. Um, he he basically succeeded with his own plan and you know knowing that he couldn't do it himself he turned everyone against each other and I think that's pretty fantastic that's probably the best thing about about that film because otherwise um, Civil War just feels like an Avengers 2.5 it's not really a Captain America film but it's not that's my next one Okay, so I'm going to... It's widely celebrating, would you see a second one very soon? Uh, Black Panther's Eric Killmonger. Yeah, had to be mentioned, right? He's Mm. on my list. Yeah. Now, Eric is everything T'Challa isn't, so he's vengeful, embittered, and deeply isolated. Now, his methods might be villainous, but his message is, of course, compelling. So growing up in Oakland, which is a far from the promise of Wakanda, he mourns generations of injustice black people have experienced around the world, seething with envy at T'Challa and his supposedly charmed life. And of course, we continue to see Killmonger's pain stay with us long after the credits roll. Now, I think that he's a fantastic baddie because, again, commonality here, Michael B. Jordan's a fantastic actor. Mm. And actually, he plays the arrogance of his cousin who's seen the real world incredibly well. And I think you can... This is equally as fantastic writing as it is about the execution, but you can see that he is actually a product of chance and that he had it played out in a different way. And he would have legitimately been king and actually he's entitled to challenge the injustice of his upbringing. Because T'Challa and the rest of the royal family really don't know the injustice of the world. And he shows them just how much this upset, upsets him because he has he has seen, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement as it is now, but the, the injustice of, of the black communities um, in across the world, actually. I was going to say the Western world, but it's actually not the case. It's across the whole world. Um, and, and T'Challa never had that. He had the silver spoon in his mouth in the, um, the wonderfully hidden, perfect envision of, of, of black society. And Killmonger never has that. And he, he feels legitimately 
um, hard done by, and I can actually understand why it would be. Um, he believes that he can rule Wakanda because actually he's been through that journey and knows how bad it could be, as opposed to T'Challa, that actually has got some rose-tinted glasses. And I think that's why he's my second best, because yeah. even, even though he is, yes, okay, this sounds terrible saying it out loud on air, on recording, he is killing innocent people. You can see that he's got, again, very much like Zemo, a plan. He's a plan to get to the throne at Wakanda. He uses people to get there. He's, he's a very good tactician. He has unique skills. He hasn't got superpowers, but in spite of all that, he still gets to Wakanda, which is a very secretive country that no one's ever seen before. He has a, a viable challenge to the throne and goes toe-to-toe with, with a, a bona fide superhero. Mm. And at the end of it, you're like, actually, I get where you're coming from. Had your dad not been snuffed, you would have been on the throne. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I I think he's a wonderful character. And even at the end, as I say, they're duking it out. I legitimately, obviously we knew where it was going, but I didn't know who I really wanted to win in the end. I think that's the first time I said that on air, but I really do mean it because he's just a, a really well-written character. Yeah, no, agreed. Uh, you know, the fact that Michael B. Jordan is hardly in the first act of Black Panther, you know, that is a real testament to how good this character actually is. Yeah. You know, he shows up at this museum early, early on looking, you know, he's cool. He's got a denim jacket on, he's got his glasses and he represents the best kind of MCU villain. You know, the one that actually kind of has a point. Yeah. Um, you know, he's dangerous. You know, he was a trained weapon mm-hmm. as a former member of the US military. And all he really wants is a changing of philosophies. He wants Wakanda to share its technological advancements with the rest of the world, where it can be used. His stance leads to the world-changing decision at the end of the film, after he snuffed it, which is mental. Yeah. You know, the one mistake comes at the close of his character's arc, we could have used some more Killmonger in future movies or shows, but we've got a multiverse. We've got a multiverse. Who knows? Um, I don't, I, I know I sort of pined for it. Could you have brought him back for Wakanda forever and had him in the uh, Black Panther suit? I well, think it's kind of sure, isn't it? It is, but there's no reason that the closing credits he doesn't come out of the shadows and he's like, where's my cousin? Mm. You know, and, and that could, I don't know. We obviously don't know yet at the time of recording um, where that, that film's going to go. He's going to handle, obviously, the loss of Chadwick Boseman very well. Um, and it's going to be, I think, the second longest film behind Endgame, so two hours and 40 odd minutes. Yeah, that's that. the rumour. It hasn't officially been confirmed, has it? But I know it's no. appearing on a lot of cinema sites uh, with that time. Yeah. So uh, I'm either going to have to wear a nappy or make sure I get a uh, good um, get a good toilet break in before the film starts. Indeed. Indeed. Pace yourself. But yeah, um, just don't know. But yeah, I, I will, I'll, I'd want to see more of that character because I think... Whilst you could say, why do more? Because you could spoil it. I, I genuinely think there's more to write. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was in What If, the mm-hmm. um, animated series, where again, same sort of ilk of this Killmonger. He was just a bit of an ass. 
and once the power realised the power of the Infinity Stones dukes it out with Ultron and yeah. uh, you know, that's where we leave him really in some weird dimension but I mean hopefully there is a good version out there somewhere in the multiverse you know, much like our Kang that was in Loki but we know there's going to be a bad one coming through in Quantumania so I'm quite intrigued but mm, who knows we shall see uh, my next one before my honourable mention I've got Ultron okay now regardless of what you what you think of the film I actually think Ultron's quite a good MCU villain mm-hmm. I mean I think we've both admitted it before Age of Ultron's probably our guilty pleasure Yes. For an MCU film, you know, we've talked about it before uh, in our favourite MCU moments. You know, it's a film where you see our heroes actually having a bit of downtime, partying, etc. But anyway, I digress. Why is Ultron a great MCU villain? I can hear the listener asking. Well, let me explain. Uh, we can give much of the credit to James Spader's great motion capture performance. And actually, I put it down to his voice work too. Um, he is far better than this super advanced robot AI system really has any business being. Yeah. Just does a great job. Yeah, he's got that humour. There's a lot of menace in his voice. Uh, and it's just the most engaging and best thing about this film, by and large. I think you're hitting down the head, Dan, for me, because what comes to mind is the scene in... Uh, the the arms dealer. Super oh, with Ulysses Claw in yeah. uh, is it somewhere in Africa? Yeah, and he 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 legitimately accidentally cuts his arm off, and he goes, "Oh, I'm really sorry," and he and he, and he gets carried away with himself, and it's 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 though this consciousness is in this this body, and he hasn't quite understood emotion or how that trans transfers on into the real world and he legitimately says yeah sorry about that I totally don't know what I'm doing anyway you had <laughs> yeah. it coming and you, but the way it's delivered is so well you're like oh crap he's cut his arm off but he kind of is a little bit remorseful but then it all doesn't matter anyway because you'll be dead in the end of this kind of thing it's just it's so it's, it's funny it's a funny moment mm. but it's dark and it's got an edge to it and it's I can't I can't describe it any better than that which is poor at best but it's it's such a well delivered scene but I think it's quite an underrated one but he embodies all of that in the space of about 10 seconds and it's phenomenal it really is yeah I mean that's why I put him on there he's just mm. a maniac and you know, the fact he's willing to drop you know a city on earth to destroy it it's just just crazy I mean we know what happens if he does succeed in the What If series you know there, I think there's a scene where Thanos walks out of the portal and he just slices him in half it's like mm. oh fuck you know, this is what happens if he gets the soul stone and he gets his own like vibranium body yeah he's basically unstoppable it's it's just crazy yeah uh, you know credits James Spader really because his delivery of the characters phenomenal yeah, it is but, you know, I've sort of kept it short and simple. Um, as you mentioned, he's sort of like in the middle of your list. Mm-hmm. Probably say somewhere sort of below, just sort of between the two of uh, really good and, uh, you know, that sort of medium. 
Uh, have you got any more, Alex? I've got one more, but it's an obvious one. I've let you down, Dan. It is Thanos. Um, but it's just to reiterate that Josh Brolin is the perfect casting. Um, you can understand why he's done it. And to some extent, actually understand why he did what he did. Um, what he's done at the beginning of Endgame, he actually gives up his life to live out the rest of his days as a farmer. He doesn't go on to terrorize the rest, rest of the remaining universe, right? So any any other poorly written or poorly understood baddie would continue to, I don't know, take over um, planets uh, and enslave them or do mm. this and do that. But he's done. Yeah. He's legitimately done. He did it. what he planned to do because of the ways which his planet ravaged itself. You can, and he delivered. He doesn't need to do anything else because he doesn't want to because actually that wasn't the plan. He's, yes, his actions were terrible, but inherently you can kind of see where they came, they were coming from. And actually it just goes to show that when he did what he needed to, that's it. He nearly kills himself doing it as well, twice. Yeah. He he has that conviction in, uh, to actually see, see it out. He truly believes, and this is what I'm saying, I guess, all the way through this episode, Dan, is every single well-written, thought-out baddie and character really has a motivation skin in the game. Mm. And when they're done, they're done. They're not bad because, you know, it's, it's comedic or, or, or nefarious means or, or poor writing. They do it because there is natural motivation. So when they, they're close to getting their, what they wanted or they, they achieve it, they lay their arms down, they're done. Yeah. I, I don't want to kill people. I just want to to make sure that the, the universe doesn't suffer what Titan did. So why would he continue his rampage? He doesn't. Mm. I mean, you I could think, say the same for Zemo, actually. You know, yeah. he was ready to basically kill himself at the end of the, mm. of the film, but Black Panther stops him. But yeah, no, that's a fair point. And I think the part that he was set on really wasn't his fault in the end. I'm not... I'm not forgiving what he did it was horrific of course across the whole universe but um, you can kind of see where it's coming from so again yeah I've disappointed Dan I have chosen the obvious but I think he, he's expertly written um, and really when he, when you start peeling away the Obsidian Order and everything else around him um, and Gamora and the rest of it you just think actually there are means to an end and once he's delivered there's surplus to requirements mm. he was always only ever going to go and lay down his his armor and chill out watching the sunset. Yeah, no, definitely. And you don't write ten years of films to build it up to be a piss poor villain. No, because I think that would have really spoiled it. If he continued to you know be uh, on the throne, directing hordes of aliens that he'd ravaged and taken control of and taken advantage of because half their population is missing, you'd be like, yeah, but. But then why? Because he didn't want to be in control of the universe. Quite the opposite. He wanted to make it simple. Mm. He, was, he never wanted to be a ruler. He just wanted to avoid what happens to, to his people. He so, wanted life to flourish, which yeah. is the biggest irony. When, you, when we say you look at some of the villains, they, they just want to snuff people off. Yeah. Because they are, they are murderers. They are killers. They, they have that hatred. They have that that urge, but his is clinical. You've got to do this. And therefore this is the way to do it. And when I do it, I'm done. 
Yeah. And I think that is, is just the perfect embodiment of, of the baddie. And as you say, you're not going to do 10 years of writing and then fall at the last hurdle. And I'm glad I didn't. It was it was perfectly executed. Um, it really was wonderful. So, yeah, Thanos. I'll let you down, Dan. No, no curveballs. That's fine. He's phenomenal. That was, I mean, my challenge was to try not to, to, to put him on my list because it was always going to be an obvious one, one that we'd always talk about. And, you know, interestingly, I set our listeners the same, um, same, same challenge. Yeah. I failed. We did get a couple. No, it's fine. I say it's a, it's a good one. And, you know, you don't put him at the top of the list for no reason. Indeed. Indeed. Now, I did have one honorable mention. Um, oh, yes. and of course, doesn't come above Thanos at all. I actually chose Hella. Okay. Uh, played by Kate Blanchett, two time Academy Award winner. Uh, just being in Thor Ragnarok was quite a big deal. Uh, you know, Hella is a very, very formidable foe. And she is the evil sister of both Thor and Loki. Indeed. Might not be the greatest Marvel villain. Um, but she's a rare one who proves nearly impossible to defeat. You know, she crushes Mjolnir, fucks off Loki and Thor into like other parts of the of the universe, and then off she goes into Asgard and lays just, waste. Just lays yeah. waste. You know, she's killing people left, right, and centre. It's um, it's quite brutal, really. Uh, and you know. Thor Ragnarok is probably one of the best MCU films out there, in my He's opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, we've talked about Love and Thunder and, you know, maybe it's try to live off of that success. It doesn't. But we, we, we've talked about that. Um, and it allows heroes such as Thor, Valkyrie and the Hulk, etc., to have a bit of fun. And this villain just seems to fit that quite nicely. Yeah. But yeah, I chose Hella just purely because she's an absolute ass, kills everyone, and all she wants is Asgard. Pure revenge. Uh, but she gets fucked up by Surtur at the end. Yeah. Unlux. But we did get some listeners, Alex. Uh, oh, yeah. Should we start with the voice notes first, or should we go on to the socials? No, we love a voice note. Let's have a little listen. Let's have a listen. I really love Hela as a villain. I think her introduction is amazing where she faces off with Thor and Loki and she breaks the hammer. But I think she's got every right to be pissed off and come back the way she does because Odin is all about the violence with her until he changes his mind and then he just banishes her. There's no chance at redemption for her. So she obviously comes back pretty annoyed. So I really love that. She's sassy, love the costume in Thor Ragnarok. And I think Kate Blanchett plays it really well. So I really love her as a villain. And right until the very end, she believes that she can win and she's fighting Serta until the bitter end. And you've got to love that really. Ah, so there's a few more bits there from Claire, which uh, I didn't mention about Hela. And that's a yeah. fair point. Yeah, no, it is. It is. And I didn't think about it actually. She, she's still swinging. Uh, as uh, as like the city explodes or, or goes mm. supernova, and that is commendable for sure. The fighting spirit, and she's pissed off because Odin did loved the violence and then did yeah. her dirty. You know, mm. I'd be annoyed too if my uh, my dad did that to me. He He's hasn't. got a lot to answer for. Um, actually, Odin doesn't he? He's not yeah. quite the all father. I mean, that's the whole point, of course, of of um, Thor's counter arc, but. 
he does an awful lot of bad, doesn't he, in the films? He does. Mm. And this was Claire's least favourite villain. My worst villain has to be Dracov from Black Widow. They just picked the wrong actor. I couldn't tell whether he was Cockney or Russian or whatever. It was just a weird mix of accents and he just didn't he didn't give me that villain vibe and I just I do think it is down to the actor that they could have picked someone better to play him because he was just a rubbish rubbish villain there we go it's fair um yes we talked about Ray Winston the only thing I'd say is though I don't know who could actually make that villain interesting um I think it's just a mix of poor yes poor casting poor delivery but actually the writing just it's like cluster. Yeah. So, uh, so some good choices there from Claire. Mm. Uh, over to Twitter, we've got a couple of um, messages. Uh, first one is from Brad. Uh, he says, didn't choose a bad villain. He, he's only given us a couple of good ones. Oh, yeah. Recent portrayals by Ethan Hawke and Christian Bale have to be up there as some of the best. Yeah, I didn't mention about Moon Knight, actually. It's a good yeah. show. Ethan Hawke was good. Was good. Agreed. And then we've got Dan. He says, the best, Ultron. The worst, Aldrich Killian. Yeah. And he's got an honourable mention, Alex. Oh, yeah. Honourable mention for both best and worst, Taserface from Guardians 2. Yeah. I mean, it's just hilarious. Um, I think I sent you the video earlier, didn't I? Yeah. Where um, Rocket's just absolutely pissing himself at the name Taserface. Should we put that in there? Let's do it. It's again to glory with a new captain, Taser Face! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Your name is. It's Taser Face? That's right. Do you shoot tasers out of your face? It's metaphorical! <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, and that rounds up for our socials section. Lovely stuff. And I think that rounds up for an episode. It does. And you know, I, I actually really quite enjoyed going through that because I, I legitimately struggled. And, you know, you've got, was it 30 odd different villains if you double up in some of the films and whatever it was. And it's very difficult to, to, to really drill down what you like and dislike about a villain. Um, but I think we've really nailed and in the end why we're bought into their motivations and the delivery and mm. why we're not for certain 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 ways and um, I really liked the episode really good interesting yeah. research the thing is though a lot of them I've forgotten and it's kind of the issue they're yeah. half-baked um, you know they, they probably have 10 minutes screen time really was that going to be you know the big bad and everything Everything the uh, the hero needs to to, to to fight against. I think ultimately that's that's the answer. Mm. If you've forgotten about them, that they're not worth it. And I'd say sometimes it is just the actor or actress playing that villain. Yeah, that seem to to do the. I say the casting. Um, you know they portray that villain so well, and they carry it, and it makes it memorable. Hashtag Tom hits. T hits. Mm-hmm. And James Spader as Ultron. Oh, yeah. And Josh Brolin, of course. 
But yeah, uh, what's coming up next? Well, it is nearly Halloween season, Alex. Oh, yes. Oddly, Dan, I was thinking about this when I was doing some um, some editing for the, the, the YouTube channel. It scares the crap out of me when we get together every year <laughs> and we talk about these bloody stories because I'm always looking over my shoulder every couple of days, you know, for a couple of days afterwards. Mm. Like, did you see something there? Did something flash? Did that thing move? It's because we keep on sharing these bloody scary stories, but they're really good fun. Um, and the last couple of years, I've, I've really enjoyed it. So I'm looking forward to this year quite a lot, really. Am. Yeah, so I'm already sort of planning ahead on that one. So go check if you're a fan of paranormal um, experiences. I'd absolutely say check out Volume 1, where we talk about some of our personal experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, and last year, we took you on a journey around the UK to some of the most haunted locations and some of the ghosts that haunt there. Going local this year, I think there's a, a lot of history in Portsmouth. There yes. are some wonderful haunted locations here. And um, you know, hopefully, if you're looking to do some paranormal investigations in the new year and you want to come down our way, there's some, there'll be some good locations for you to check out. Oh, wow. uh, what else? Uh, there will probably be a review of Cobra Kai season five at oh, yes. some point. Um, I'll be lining up some socials once we figure out where we're going with that and probably She-Hulk, which we've uh, both actually admitted to enjoying off air this year. Yeah, I'll commit this, to on air. Yeah, this, it's this week, unexpectedly. Unexpectedly. I love Tim Roth in this episode. I just yeah, thought he's fantastic. So but yeah, plenty to look forward to. And if you want to get in touch we are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Still have no idea what I'm doing on TikTok. <laughs> it is at on the topic pod. And we are on Gmail, which is on the topic podcast at gmail.com. And Alex, what have we got for WordPress and YouTube? Yes, WordPress, our website, ontopicpodcast.wordpress.com, all lowercase on one word. Um, go on there, have a look. We've got our the mugs, our bios. You can click on our affiliate content website, which is morbid and mundane, some lovely T-shirts and garments if you want to have a look. We fully support Joey. He's done the the, uh, the channel art, but he's also got some wonderful garments. So go take a look and give him some love. Uh, but also, you've got every single episode that we've got from our back catalogue. So if you don't have a podcast player of preference, you can stream it straight from our WordPress there. Um, there's also a newsletter so you can subscribe and be the first to know when the episode comes out. Uh, we've also, as of today, as of the uh, the recording, gone on to YouTube. So does that make us YouTube YouTubers now, Dan? I don't know. Um, I'm not sure if that's a good or bad thing. But either way, we're on YouTube. So um We'll be doing Throwback Thursday, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode. Um, go give it a listen. Back at our humble beginnings, number one. And every week we'll release two more. And eventually we'll catch up. Um, but that's that's every way or means of getting in contact or listening to us. But uh, we, we generally do love, love your guys' interaction, your contributions. So any ideas for any new content episodes, anything you want to cover, Get in contact and let us know. There's no excuses. Give us a shout. Indeed. And we're coming up to Christmas. So um, if you've got any ideas for a Christmas episode, let us know because Get we're... Wow, well, what, what have we done in the last couple of years, Axe? We did our favourite Christmas movies back in 2020. Mm-hmm. That was a phenomenal episode. Yeah, really good. And last year we reviewed 
Die Hard and did some of the behind the scenes stuff because it's a Christmas film obviously it is don't even argue with us come at us and uh, we'll put you in the sea indeed or not Uh, but for another week uh, I've been Dan and I am off to create some exploding super soldiers I'm another tech billionaire with a daddy complex I'm Alex (laughs) and we'll see you next time Two sex. Crap. Um, He's trashing the gaff, ladies and gents. I am. Armor Wars. Bloopers. And uh, I'm another tech been in there with a daddy complex. I'm Alex. And we'll, and we'll see, see you. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs>